0: Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you're encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Today is our last sermon series in this title called relationships and today i want to talk about true love i want to talk about true love this morning and how many of you guys remember back in the day when you used to write love letters you know what i'm saying come on guys today they the kids today they don't they don't know what that is now it's all text messages but back in the day we used to write love letters right hey do you like me check yes no or maybe so you were hoping that you would get some kind of response. You would even like, maybe. So you were like, yes, there's the chance. There's a chance here that she said or he said maybe. And so this morning, I want to share with you some love letters written by kids, written by children. And I, and I laughed at these, so I hope that you laugh at them because they were really, really funny. And so I think I have about five of them I want to share with you this morning is this. The first one says, Dear Alexis, how are you today? I want to inform you. That I kind of like you. Don't laugh. This is serious. (laughs) Love, Ryan. The next one is, hey, I want you to know I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today or tomorrow. P.S. all day. P.S.S. I still love you. I still love you. But are you ready to be there for me when I'm mad? Will you be there for me when I need to cry? When I can't do anything, and will you be there for me so to help me in that situation because I love you? And the boy's response was this, yes, I am ready unless I'm eating fried chicken. (laughs) So chicken is more important than me. Yes, only fried chicken. Only when I'm hungry. But if not then, then I will, then, then you will be the most important thing in my life. I will care about you. Would you please be my girlfriend? Yes, no, or maybe. P.S., please check one box. I am sorry, I, have already, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. But when we break up, you'll be my next choice. P.S., that will probably be in a month or two. Come on, somebody. And the last one is this. This is my favorite one. I love you with all of my butt. I would say my heart, but my butt is bigger. <laughs> How dare you, pastor, say that word in the sanctuary today. But hey, this is your kids. They're just being honest, right? Listen, it's bigger than my heart, so I'm going to love you with the biggest thing. I want to talk to you this morning about love, love and marriage. And you may be here today and you may be single or, or whatever in your life. Um, but I want you to know something today. And all of us that have been married for, for many years or even a short amount of time, Teresa and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary last year. Yeah, I know, she's, she's, put up me, she's put up with me for 25 years. We all know that marriage takes a lot of work. Can I get an amen? Yes. amen? But I want you to know that to have a relationship that the Bible talks about, it's about a couple of things. Number one, wives submitting to your husbands. But husbands, you're called to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for the church. So in order for us to have a good marriage, God has to be in the center of everything. If we want to have a good... Listen, I'm not talking about a marriage that we're just legally bound together by a piece of paper. I'm talking about a godly marriage where love abounds in our life. And so today, that's what I want to talk about is true love. True love. Not only the love that God has for each and every one of us, but the love that you and I have for one another. Not just our spouse, but our friends as well. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 4, he says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no wrong, record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And then it says, love never fails. Do you understand that love is the only thing that will continue on throughout the rest of your life love love never fails if you know what true love is if you understand what true love is you have to understand that true love never fails i can tell you today that this lady that's sitting up here i love her more today than i did when i first met her true love continues to grow why Because you are not only loving God, but you're putting everything that you have into your spouse so that your marriage will will be a good marriage. Not just so that you live together. Because there are so many marriages that today are ending in divorce that that, listen, that when their children move away from home, the marriage has been so much placed into their children that the husband and wife, they don't know each other. So they can't live together anymore. So they just divorce. And they go their separate ways. Love, having true love in our life is understanding that that love never fails. In verse 13, Paul says it this way. He says, And then these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And then what does he say? And the greatest of these three is love. If Listen, if love is the greatest of those three, why did Paul mention it last? If love is the greatest among those three, shouldn't you think that it should be first love, faith, and then hope? But he says that love is the greatest. It's faith, hope, and love. And here's the reason why he says love lasts. Because it's love that holds everything together. It's love that holds everything together. Because when you have problems, when there's situations in your life, when your spouse is getting on your nerves, come on, when we get on our spouse's nerves, what hap- you know what true love does? True love looks past the faults that they have in their life because you love them despite of who they are. Love holds everything together. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 says this, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you do not have love in your heart, then you don't know God because God is love. Well, pastor, that's not, that's not fair. You shouldn't say that. I didn't say it. God did. If you don't know God or if you don't have love for other people, then you don't know God. Because God is love. The very attribute of God is love. Love. And so to have that true love in our life is so important. Jesus says in John chapter 13 verses 35, he says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not that you, people will know that you're my disciples that you attend church. People will know that you're my disciples that you give your tithes. People will know that you're my disciples because you have your name is written on the church membership. People will know that you are his disciples because you have love for one another. True love show is a sign of a true disciple, a true believer in Jesus Christ. If you don't have love in your heart, listen. And Paul says it at the beginning of this verse. If you don't have love in your hearts, you're just a loud, clanging cymbal. In other words, you just make a lot of noise. And can I tell you today, there's a lot of marriages that are making a lot of noise because they don't have love in their heart. I don't want to be an individual just, that just makes a lot of noise. I want to be an individual that has love in my heart because that's a true sign of a believer. It's a true sign of a disciple. It's because you have love in your heart. When you look past their faults, when you look past all the little things that drive you crazy, when you leave your underwear in the floor, men. Ladies, when you leave dishes in the sink, when you don't do this or when you don't do that, love looks past those things, right? Because you love them, not all the things that's in their life. That's what true love is. And I don't understand this because I've never done this before. But men, why do we leave our underwear in the floor? Why? What? what? I mean, it's just like, see you later. I mean, come on. Maybe it's my mom just said, hey, pick it up because I'm not touching it. Pick it up. Maybe that's the way it is. But come on, man. We look past our faults. We look past the little things that drive us crazy. Because I can tell you this morning, I've driven her crazy. I've done a lot of things that have driven her crazy. We're not going to say it, but she's driven me crazy too. Um, but I love her in spite of all the faults that we have in our life. And what I thought about was this man, how many times in our life throughout the day do we mess up? But Jesus still loves us. Right? I mean, when people mess up, we're the first ones to go, how dare you? I thought that you were a Christian. I thought that you were this. I thought you were that. We're the very first ones to point finger at them. But when we mess up in our life, Jesus is not standing up in heaven, pointing his finger down at you and said, ha ha, see God, I told you they would mess up. But he loves us despite, in spite of all of our faults. And every one of us this morning, you have faults. You have things in your life that, that, are, that you've been dealing with with over, you know, over and over in your years. And you see it when you're married to someone. Because you don't see it when you're dating, right? You're like, what in the world has happened here? This person, they totally never did that. Why? Because you were all struck in love when you were dating. But when you got married and you start living with someone, then you're just like, holy cow, what in the world have I married here? Right? Let's be honest this morning, guys. Come on. That's sometimes how we feel. Because we don't see, we don't see those things when we're dating in our life. But, but man, sometimes it's like they're magnified. They're magnified sometimes in other situations. But, but think about all the little things that, that we do. And man, Jesus still loves us. And you know what I love about Jesus' love? It's not a phileo love. And yes, that is a real word for those that... It's not a phileo love. It's an agape love. It's a love that's unconditional. It's a love that transcends all things. It's a love that lasts forever. And that's what God is calling moms and dads, husbands and wives. That's the kind of love that God is calling us to have is an agape love. Not some kind of brotherly love. Not some kind of friendship love with our spouse. But we, are, we have an agape love for that, which, which means it's an unconditional love. That there's nothing that you can't do that, that will change how I feel about you. Because I love you and I care about you. That's what God is saying to us. And if you look where Peter's talking about, or Jesus is talking to Peter, and he and he asked him two different times. He says, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter's response says, Yes, God, I love you. I, I care about you. But what his response was with a Phileo kind of love. In other words, Jesus, I love you as a best friend. I love you, I love you this I love you, love you as a brother, Jesus. But that wasn't good enough for Jesus. So we had to ask him again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. A brotherly kind of love. A friendship kind of love. And then God had to ask him again a third time. Peter, do you love me? And just by chance, Peter's like, well, man, maybe there's a reason why he's asking me this three different times. Because God was trying to get him to understand, Peter, I don't need you to phileo love me. I need you to agape love me. means I need you to be there to the very end. Unconditional love because that's what I have for you. That Peter, I'm gonna be with you as you as you go through all of these changes in your life, as you step out and begin to plant churches and minister and preach sermons. Peter, I'm gonna be with you when you fail, when you mess up, I have an unconditional love for you. That's true love. And that's the kind of love that we should have for our spouse. That's what the Bible says. Because that's the kind of love that we're supposed to have with our spouse. You see, Jesus was looking for a different kind of love. He was looking for a love that's an agape kind of love, it's unconditional. So my question to you is, This what kind of love are you looking for? What kind of love are you wanting in your marriage? What kind of love are you wanting in your home? What kind of For, for those that are, that are single, what kind of love are you looking for in your future spouse? Make sure it's not a phileo love. Make sure it's agape love. Where it's an a, un, unconditional kind of love. That they will love you through whatever goes on in your life. You remember, you repeated in your marriage ceremony through sickness and in health, through death do us part. And other words, hey, I'm not just signing this piece of paper to let you know I'm legally married to you. I'm bound together in my heart to you that I will see this thing through to the very end no matter what happens. That's true love. That's the kind of love that God is looking for in our marriages. Why? Because we have children that are watching us that one day will look for a spouse. And what are they going to be looking for? You need to make sure that you live that kind of love for those that still have children at home. We need to make sure that we still live that kind of love in front of our children because one day you don't want them to go find a brotherly kind of love. You want them to find an agape kind of love that will love them unconditionally to the very end because that's what God says. So this morning I want to share with you a couple of things that just spoke to me about this this scripture this morning. Number one is this. True love is always demonstrated by action. True love is always demonstrated by action. Look at verse number four. Right out of the gate, right out of the gate, people, uh, Paul is telling what true, looks, what true love looks like. Paul says in verse four, love is patient and love is kind. Love is patient and love is kind. That's what Paul says. Right out of the gate, love is patient. Love is kind. If you truly love someone, you will be patient with that person. But not only will you be patient with that person, but you will be kind to that person. Not only will you be patient. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. I, I don't know if you're asleep. I don't know if you're asleep, or, but you're, you're quiet this morning. Listen to me. This message was preached to me this week as I was preparing it. Love is patient and love is kind. That's what Paul says. He starts out by talking about, he's, he's talking about how love feels. He's, or excuse me, he's not talking about how love feels. He's writing it as, as a love is an action. Love is an action. It's more than just saying I love you, which I sometimes can, I, I, are very bad at doing. But my wife is very, very good about doing. Love is an action. It's showing someone how you love them, by how you treat them. By how you do things for them. That is love in action. What Paul is writing, what true love is all about. Love will endure a long time. I don't just love you today because you're good. I'm going to love you tomorrow when you're bad. That's true love. That's the kind of marriage that God is wanting for each and every one of us in our life. A love that's unconditional. That will see everything through to the very end. Love is patient, love is kind. Second Peter chapter three verses nine says this: "The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient. For whose sake? Your sake. He's not slow about it. He's being patient for your sake. You know there's people in this world today that still don't know who Jesus is? You look at our world and you go, dear Jesus, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come and call us home? You know why? Because he's patient because there's still people that don't know him. Love is patient. How many times has God been patient with you? Thank God we don't live in Old Testament times. Right? Where God just like, you're gone. See you later. Adios, amigos. But it's grace and love that every single day that we're able to wake up and take a breath and realize how much God loves us when we are unlovable, despite of all of our faults. So true love is a love that's demonstrated by action, that God shows us patience. God shows us love in our life. You see, if you go back to Genesis chapter 9, you don't have to look there now, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 29, you will see a very famous love story about a man named Jacob and a lady named Rachel. You see, Jacob just just right before this story, Jacob has just now taken Esau's birthright. He has just taken his bowl of. He says he's has this conversation. Hey, man, if you'll you'll give me your birthright, I'll sell you this bowl of soup. And Esau's like, Yeah, okay, whatever. So Jacob goes out and he, and he gets this fur and he puts it on his arm and he comes in and he pretends to be Esau. And at that moment, Isaac blesses him instead of blesses Esau. So now he has Esau's birthright. And so now he's on the run. He's, he's running for his life because Esau is after him. And so he runs to this well and there's shepherds around this well. But soon, just out of nowhere, this beautiful young lady comes walking in the distance. And immediately, the Bible says that he fell in love with her. Love at first sight. And so he's, he, he, he's so in love with her and, and he just like, the Bible says that he kisses her and she's just probably, I can just imagine, whoa, hold on, I don't even know you. Get your lips off me, dude. But in that moment, he falls in love with her. And then he goes and he lives with her family. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but think about this, and this is kind of strange, but this is true. Rachel was his cousin. Rachel was his cousin. That's Hey, that's how it was back then. That's not how, it well, it shouldn't be that way today, but sometimes it is. But he's now living with Laban and, her, and his family. And Laban looks at him and he says, hey, I want you to work for me, but I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, I'm going to pay you something. So Jacob's like, okay, listen, I'll work for free for seven years if you'll just give me Rachel because I love her that much. I'll work for free for seven years if you'll just let me have her hand in marriage. Well, after the seven years, Jacob walks in and says, Hey, give me Rachel. Well, in that moment, Laban decides to pull a switch move, and he gives him Leah instead. Now, that's a whole different sermon right there. A whole different sermon. But he gives, he gives Jacob Ray, uh, Leah instead of Rachel. And Jacob doesn't realize it until the next morning. And then he goes back to Laman and he says, Hey, Laman, why did you do this to me? I love Rachel. I want Rachel. And then he says, Well, how much do you love her? And then Jacob's like, Well, listen, I'll work another seven years for free if I can have her hand in marriage. Fourteen years he worked for free because he loved Rachel that much. How many of you this morning, don't raise your hands because this is a trick question. How many of you this morning would work for free for 14 years for the person sitting beside you? That's what, that's what uh, Jacob did because he was so much in love with her. He was smitten by her beauty and who she was that he worked for 14 years for free. Can I tell you this morning, that's true love. True love waits. For you single people in here this morning, understand me. True love waits. Because God has the right person for you at the right time. If you will just wait and not just settle for any old person. True love waits. He waited for 14 years to have her hand in marriage. Because he loved her that much. Love is patient and love is kind. The second thing is this. Eight things that love is not. Eight things that love is not. Look at verses 4 through 6. It says this. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. Can I be honest with you this morning? These things will destroy your marriage. These things that he just talked about will destroy your marriage and also any kind of relationship that you have in your life. Because those things, those are not what love is. You see, love is not envious You see, envy is what killed Abel. Envy is what caused Joseph's brothers to throw him into a pit and later sell him into slavery. Envy is what caused Jesus to get arrested. Because they were jealous. They did not like him. They didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like what he stood for. So they were envious of him. Matthew chapter 27 verse 18 says this, He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of Envy. Love is not envious. Envy is being resentful of someone else. Envy is being resentful of their qualities or their possessions. That's what envy is, and that is not love. If you have envy towards someone in your life, then you need to check your life and ask yourself what's going on, because envy is not love. If you have envy towards your spouse, you need to check it out and go, What's going on here? When, it, when, when you have envy for someone, you don't like who they are. And sometimes you don't like what they do. Love is not boastful. Love is not prideful. Love does not parade itself around. You see, love doesn't have to boast. Love doesn't have to be proud. Why? Because it's shown. I don't have to go out and tell everybody what, how much I, you know, what I've done for her. She don't have to go out and tell everybody what she's done for me. I don't have to be prideful about my love that I have for her. I don't have to have the spotlight shining on me all the time. That's being prideful. To where you have to have the limelight shining on your light all the time. That's prideful. That's not not love. Love is not envious. It does not boast. it It is not prideful. You don't have to be the center of attention of everything. Amen, Pastor. Love does not boast, it is not proudful. See, these people do it in appearance that it shows love, but really the only reason they do it is to show off what they've done. They show off just what they've done, so it's not not boastful, it's not proudful. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant, it's not self-focused. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 and 44 Says this, it says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowds come in and drop money in. Can you just imagine Jesus sitting there as these rich men walk into the room and they've got their, their money in their hand and they're very proudful and they're very boastful and they're like, hey, Jesus, look what I'm putting in the offering plate today. But then he says, he mentions about this, this, uh, this poor widow who came in and she, all she dropped in was two small coins. Jesus called His disciples over and said, I'll tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than the others who are making these contributions. For they gave tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. She didn't didn't boast about it. She wasn't proudful about it. She just gave what she had. See, we don't have to be boastful and proud about our love. We just love because... Because we have God living inside of us. Because God is love. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not rude. Let me, let me put it that way. Love is not rude. Sometimes we can look down on people because they don't act like us. Sometimes we can look down on people who don't smell like us. And can I tell you this morning is this. If you're not careful, you will also look down on your spouse the same way that you look down on somebody else. Because love is not that way. Love is not puffed up. It, is not, it does not dishonor others. It is not rude to people. Well, pastor, you don't understand. They were rude to me. And? what? Okay. Don't be rude back to them. Be nice to them. Show them love. Because you don't know what they're going through. How many times have you gone through a problem and you were rude with somebody? And somebody was nice to you. Why? Because they don't know what you're going through. There's like, man, you know, I'm sorry, I love you. You know, they don't have you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be rude to people. You don't have to be rude to your spouse either, but sometimes we are. That's not what love is. That's not what love is. Love doesn't dishonor people. Love is not self seeking. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 says this not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. A great example of not self seeking love is Jesus. Why? Because he was always others focused. He always focused on other people. Well, Pastor, what about my needs? What, what about my? What, what? Why can't? What about me? Can I focus on myself? Here, here's what I thought: When you learn to focus on other people, God will take care of your needs. When your needs are not met because maybe you're not focusing on yourself or whatever, if you focus on other people, God will take care of your need because love is not self-seeking. It's not all about me. It's not self-focused on my life. Love is not easily angered. Can I, can I say this this morning, and I, and I hope you love me for after, after I say this. Love is not easily angered. Stop doing things to your spouse that makes them angry and makes them mad. Stop doing things that gets under their skin because you know what it is. It's not easily angered. It's not easily angered. If you go and you read in Numbers chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 11, you will see the example of how Israel began to say things to Moses that got under Moses' skin. You don't have to read it. go back and read it later. Why'd you bring us out here, Moses? Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? Way to go, Moses. We could have stayed in Egypt, Moses. They were jabbing him, getting under his skin. They were making him angry. And Moses realized what they were doing, and Moses and Aaron goes, and they, they fall on their face, and they begin to cry out to God because they realized how serious the issue was. They, listen, they were not mad at Moses, but they were taking it out on Moses. They were really mad at God. They were mad at God. And so they were jabbing him. Way to go, Moses. You, you're, you're terrible. How dare you do that to us? And in that moment, God spoke directly to Moses on how to handle the situation. He says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your staff and I want you to walk over to where this rock is and I want you to speak directly to the rock. I don't want you to touch it with your staff. I don't want you to bump it like you did before. All I need you to do is walk over to the rock with your staff and speak to the rock and the water will begin to flow. Moses called everybody together. Why? Because he had a he wanted to share a piece of his mind with them. He began to lecture them. And you know, when you're angry, and the more you lecture him, you get angrier. So he was really mad at these people. So in that moment of anger, he goes over to the rock where God called him to go, and he takes his staff and he hits the rock not just once, but he hits it twice. And water begins to flow. Why is that important? Because God didn't tell him to hit the rock. He told him to speak to the rock. In in that moment of anger, he was disobedient to God and what God had told him to do. You see, when we get angry, we become disobedient. When we become angry, we say things that's not really healthy for our relationship, in our marriage. And in that moment, he did not do what God called him to do, but he did what he wanted to do. Why? Because he was angry. And look what verse 12 says, or you don't have to go there. Let me read it for you. Verse 12 says this, But the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, he said, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I have given them. Because of your disobedience, Moses, you will never see the promised land because of your anger. When you're angry, you say things that you don't mean. I heard heard it one time where, where Abraham Lincoln, when he sat down and he was angry and he was going to talk to people, he would write this one letter and then he would crumple it up and throw it away and then he would write the actual letter that what needed to be said. You see, sometimes when you're angry, you just need to learn to walk away and keep your mouth shut instead of trying to say something and get back at your spouse or get back at that person because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do. That's not love. That's anger. You never respond out of anger. If you have to walk away, walk away. If you have to go for a drive, go for a drive. Whatever you have to do, why? Because all it's doing is protecting your marriage. It's just protecting your marriage. True love. Love doesn't keep records of wrongs. But we do. Hey, babe, you remember when you did this that one time? Hey you, know, hey, you know what you did over here. Love doesn't do that. You know what love does? It forgets about the past. You know why that's important? Because God forgot about your past. He's not sitting in heaven going, Ha-ha, look at BJ, she messed up today. Or, hey, look at Seth, he messed up today. He's not doing that. Because that's not true love. It doesn't keep wrongs. Forget about the past. Move on. Let's let's keep going. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love is truth. When there's issues in the family, when there's issues between mom and dad, sit down and talk about it. Talk about the truth, but do it in love. Don't do it in anger because it just pushes people away. Love is truth. And the last thing is this, Miss Karen, if you would come up this morning. Those eight things, those things are not what love is. Love is these five things this morning. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And then love never fails. That's what love is. It's not all the other envy. It's, It's none of that. That's what will destroy a relationship. But these five things is what will bring the relationship together and keep it strong. Because love never fails. You see, there's not a marriage here today that hasn't had problems in it. Not a single marriage today, whether you've been married two years or, or 72 years. There's not a marriage in here today that has never had problems. We've all had problems in our marriage. We've seen heartache. We've seen difficulty. We've seen differences between people that led them to divorce. We've seen it in our churches. We've seen it in our families. Listen. Back in the day, there was a movie called Jerry Maguire. And at the end of the movie, he's having this conversation with the lady that left to go help him in his business. And he looks at her and he says these words. He says, you complete me. And I thought about that. And I thought, how many times are we looking for people to complete us instead of looking for people who will complement us? You see, there's only one person that will complete you. And it's not the person sitting beside you. It's the one that's looking down upon you today. But you see, Rachel, or excuse me, Jacob had issues in his life. If you remember the story, he wasn't his father's favorite child. Esau was. His mother loved Jacob more than anything. So Jacob really didn't have a good relationship at home. He didn't have a really good relationship with, with his brother. So he was on the run looking, listen, he was looking for somebody to complete him. He was looking for somebody to complete him, not compliment him. You see, would you join me this morning on the stage? So many times we look for that person to complete us when really we should be looking for the person who will compliment us. Because Jesus and God is the only one that will ever complete you. I'm, I, I just have to say what Jesus gave placed on my heart. He was the only one that will ever complete you in your life. See, I want you to know something about her. She compliments me like no other. Not just in words. But you know what I love about her? When she sees me struggling, she don't try to come in and complete me. She comes in and she compliments me. You know what she does? She directs me back to Jesus. She doesn't try to complete me. She directs me back to the one who loves me more than she loves me. So your spouse will never complete you, but they can compliment you. That just means that you're there with them when they're they're going through some things in their life. That you will never leave them. That you will never forsake them. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. And the Bible says that He will see it through to the very end if you will stay with Him. I've seen God move in relationships that I didn't think God could ever move in. But God can restore. God can put things back together. Why? Because He's the one that completes us. You see, my faith is in Jesus, not in her. It's in Jesus. Because I know that when, I, when we have problems in our life, when we argue or scuffle or whatever you want to call it, because usually it's her, not me. I'm just kidding. It's 90, 99.9% of the time me. When we're struggling, our relationship, you know, All I do is look towards God and say, God, you put us together. Which reminds me that I have hope because no matter what I go through, God will take care of. Because I have a love for her because love is what holds everything together. Faith, hope, and love. True love. I want you to stand with me this morning if you would. And this is what I want you to do. Your spouse may not be in here today, and I understand that. But if your spouse is standing beside you right now, I want you to take them by the hand. I want you to take your spouse by the hand right now. Or if somebody's standing beside you, you can just pray for them. I want you to start praying for your spouse right now. Just start praying. Say, Father, bless them today. Father, this is what you place together, God. You've you've you put us together, Father. And God, there's there's people in this room that's been married many, 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 many years, God. And there are a few that's only been married for just a short amount of time. But God, what we remember is what true love is really all about. It protects, it perseveres, it hopes. Love never fails. So, God, I pray for our marriages today. God, I I pray that you would make them stronger than ever before. That, God, if there's areas of our own life that we need to change, God, to make things better, then, God, may we be willing to step forward and make changes where changes need to be made. Why? Because, God, we want to see better marriages. We want to see healthier marriages. We want to see men and women fall in love all over again. Because God is love. So for those spouses that may not be here today, that those are on a job somewhere in another state, God, I pray for protection over them. God, I pray that you would bind these marriages together like no other. That God, it's not about a piece of paper, but it's about love. So God, I thank you today for every person that's here. And I pray, Father, that it's all about true love. And for those that are looking for a relationship, those that are single, maybe looking for someone. Father, I pray that more importantly, God, that they would trust in you for the right person to come at the right time. God, today, we thank you. and We ask you to strengthen our marriages and our families like no other. God, we thank you for this today. And we give you glory and honor and praise for everything that you are doing. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events. And check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you. So join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.